Welcome back to Cooper Duper, Twin Peaks podcast for regular people. This is Jess. I am Mikey. And here we are, episode 11 total, which is episode 4 of season 2. Um, any thoughts off the dome, Michael? Not a lot of action in this episode. Yeah, and there's a reason for that. Um, we can get into it right away if you want, or we can kind of wait till after the intro, the log lady intro stuff, okay, let's or we, do that. it's up to you. All right, I've decided we're going to do the log lady intro first. Are these getting longer, do you think? This one felt relatively short. Maybe just compared to the other one that was yeah. really long. Okay, um, so we start. Um, repetitive. This yes. one is very repetitive, but it's. I like this one. Yeah, so if you were watching this on Netflix or streaming or whatever, you wouldn't have seen this, but in the uh, discs, we have uh, the log lady giving some vaguely coded thoughts from David Lynch on the upcoming episode. This one's a little less vague. Yeah, a little more on the nose. Okay, here we go. Miscommunication sometimes leads to arguments, and arguments sometimes lead to fights. Anger is usually present in arguments and fights. Anger is an emotion usually classified as a negative emotion. Negative emotions can cause severe problems in our environment and to the health of our body. Happiness, usually classified as a positive emotion, can bring good health to our body and spread positive vibrations into our environment. Sometimes when we are ill, we are not on our best behavior. By ill, I mean any of the following. Physically ill, emotionally ill, mentally ill, and or spiritually ill. Yeah, those were, people don't know, but the original lyrics to Good Vibrations. A lot of people don't know that. <laughs> oh, I was thinking the first paragraph kind of reminded me of um, when Joey was officiating the marriage between Chandler and Monica, and he's like, oh, and friends. we get, and giving like, and receiving. Love <laughs> is like just like the same words over and over. I'm picking up Good Vibrations. Um, I'm not in my best behavior. Yeah, I, I mean, that one's pretty, I don't know, pretty straightforward. Yeah, yeah. But I like it, especially for the time that we're currently living in, which yeah. is the middle of a 20, you know, the pandemic of 2020 or whatever, but. Yeah, Mikey and I have been doing a lot of, like, examinations of our own mental health, and yeah, we're doing okay, but also not great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think that's a fair assessment. Yeah. We're my, um. Ann and I, my friend Ann and I always use a thing of, like, in any given day, you're only going to be okay. Like, that's the best you could ask for. Mm-hmm. Some days are okay plus, some days are okay minus. <laughs> but, like, you shouldn't be expected to be any other anything other than okay, <laughs> which has been a really helpful, really helpful uh, technique yeah. for me. I like it. It's from John Hodgman. Okay. Okay. So, um, all right, why don't you give us your thoughts? So... The big thing with this episode is uh, they hired Jerry Stahl to be the writer, um, who famously did like a lot of most of Alf and a lot of like Moonlighting and Thirty Something and things like that. Thirty Something, okay. Uh, a big thing. One of his most noteworthy things is there's a movie from the mid '90s called Permanent Midnight. Which was based on an autobiography of his. You're thinking of Threat Level Midnight, the Michael Scott not. feature from The Office. Permanent Midnight. It's a Ben Stiller movie where Ben Stiller basically plays Jerry Stahl. Um, 
who is fuck it, like a just whacked out of his mind on heroin hmm. and just del- like like um um what's the word i'm looking for like seeing shit like uh, hallucinating, hallucinating weird fucking shit which is basically how he came up with elf it was just because he's on a fucking bender. This film is based on Jerry Stahl's autobiographical book of the same name and tells the story of Stahl's rise from a small town time television writer to a success as a comedy writer, making up to $5,000 a week writing for the 1980s series, such as 30 something Moonlight and Elf. Um, they changed the name in the film from Elf to Mr. Chompers. Yeah. Wow. But it, it looks almost exactly the same, but like darker fur. Uh. But like eats cats and all that Elf stuff. But anyway, he was crazy and apparently turned in the script after they were hounding him. He turned in this script late. For this episode. For this episode. And late and incomplete. And apparently it was just an utter mess of ramblings. And they, like, made no sense and also apparently had blood on it. Oh no! Like, and Mark, Mark Frost was like, "What the fuck is this?" So, so that so if you notice, like you're going through that opening title sequence of like the secondary actors, and then it gets into like producers and and all those names that start that pop up while the scenes are going uh-huh. on. So this is outside of the normal, um, you know, opening cut title credit sequence. <laughs> it goes in, and you see that, and then there's this one written by credit that takes up the entire yeah. screen because it's written by Jerry Stahl. With, also by oh, or whatever right. yeah and then i don't even remember it was probably um, i i know mark frost was one of them mark I, frost harley payton harley payton and robert, robert Engels. Engels. okay yeah. um the main writers basically they just had to get together and be like what can we fucking do with right, this what's salvageable here which is why this entire episode feels like let's buy some time yeah let's let's plant a few seeds where normally more like nothing happens in this they set up a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. where normally you would set that up and kick it off and get it going or even solve it or whatever within Mm -hmm. that episode this is all just a bunch of like planting of seeds it felt like it it really is it's just like let's let's buy some time yeah yeah it felt like the second and last episode of every season of game of thrones because the yeah. the last episode would always be like something big and epic, and the second second to last yeah. would be like, okay, this person is here, and this person's mad at this person, and this person's invading yeah. this place, and like, yeah. don't forget wherever it is because it's going to be important next yeah. week. And 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 then the next couple episodes of Twin Peaks become huge. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this it nothing happens. Yeah. I think Todd Holland, who's the director, doesn't. A fantastic job. The opening shot is really cool. Yeah, there's and some, so unlike uh, not just Twin Peaks, but like any television. It, it was it feels very cinematic. so. Yeah, so the opening shot is this dark tunnel, mm-hmm. and your the camera's pulling back, and you don't really know what it is, and then it pulls back a little bit wider, and it just looks like dots, and you don't really see, and then it pulls out of the dots, and it's the like soundproofing panels mm-hmm. of the um, interrogation room, and mm-hmm. it rack focuses to. Um, Harry Truman, who's talking to um, Leland, who who they just arrested. Mm-hmm. But like, I like this because this feels like it belongs in Twin Peaks, but doesn't feel like he's trying to impersonate Lynch, mm-hmm. which is kind of 
some of that other stuff that you saw, like in the later Diane Keaton directed episode, feels mm-hmm. like she's stealing stuff. Like yeah. this feels unique and quirky and weird, mm-hmm. but also honest inspiration from himself. Mm-hmm. And I like I remember finding out I didn't ever really know who Todd Holland was. Mm-hmm. And then I was watching The Wizard, the 1980s video game movie, which is basically just like an hour and 45 minute movie, like commercial for yeah. Super Mario Brothers 3. Uh-huh. Um, but it's awesome. I love that movie. And it's the first and only, I think the only feature film directed by Todd Holland. And I was watching that and I was like, oh, awesome. I didn't realize this was Todd Holland. He directed a few episodes of, uh, Twin, Peaks. of Twin Peaks. And I really like that. So I like, IMDb was like looking him up and he did a shitload of ton of great television like really he good. he did Wonder Falls which I think is an incredible little known and like hidden gem in mm-hmm. the world of television he did a lot of like my so-called life he did a lot of this great stuff and then I'm just gonna skim through what he's done he did uh, mm-hmm. Tales from the Crypt uh, my so-called life uh, the Larry Sanders show, 51 mm. episodes of that. He did a lot of that, um, yeah. A few episodes of Felicity, um, mm-hmm. an episode of Friends, uh, Wonderfuls, like you said, uh, 26 episodes of Malcolm in the Middle, um, two episodes of 30 Rock, an episode of Shameless, Go On, which I might give that show another try. It just was, Shameless? No, 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 Go On. <laughs> Do you I remember even, that? I don't think it's I even remember. Like, it was like the post-Friends Matthew Perry vehicle. Oh, it was like group okay. therapy type yeah, thing. Yeah, so, okay. And I just like so he just tweeted about it, saying like that was better than it. Yeah, like, than that it was should have been. forgettable. Like, yeah, twenty twelve. So, yeah. um, selfie the short lived yeah. show. Before the, before you get into that, that's what I wanted to get into. Um, so the next one I'm assuming on the, on the list I heard a little bit. So I took a picture of my TV the other day, or the other while ago now, but I was watching The Wizard. Uh, and right above my TV, I've got a Twin Peaks poster. Mm-hmm. Um, and and so I put I put my my DVD copies of Wonderfalls on the shelf right by the TV. Took a picture that had, you know, uh, the Wizard playing on the TV, Wonderfalls box, and the Twin Peaks poster above it. And I said, "Oh, crazy! I just found out I'm a big Todd Holland fan," and like tweeted at him or whatever. And so he replied with like, "Oh, thanks. That's awesome. Glad to hear it. Have you watched Real O'Neills yet?" And I was like, no, I haven't. And so I'm like, if I'm getting a personalized recommendation, because right. he's like the creator of that, uh, of Real O'Neill's. And Real O'Neill's is incredible. It's it's so, so good. good. It's like, it's it's very much a, a sitcom or whatever, but like, it's just, it's just delightful. It's, it's it, just sweet, good hearted. It's a bunch of people like, a lot of times people doing bad things, but like learning from it. I mean, and it's 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 a it's about people trying. Yeah. So the entire premise is that it's this family of five who live in Chicago. Um, <laughs> yeah. A, is, a very know. false Chicago. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> like they but live Chicago. in a big yeah. single family home in Chicago. Yeah. And the guy's a cop. Which. Uh, um, and then there's and they're a Catholic family. And the guy is uh, in Twin Peaks season three. Is he? Yeah, I'm forgetting the actor's name right oh, now. Oh, oh, the dad. Yeah. Oh, I was um, thinking the the main kid. Oh uh, n- uh, no. No, what was his name? Jimmy Pat Ray J R Ferguson. Is that his name? I don't know. Yeah, Pat. That's somebody. His picture isn't very. That's fine. Move yeah, on. that's him. But yeah, he's he's. Um, yeah, he's in season three of Twin Peaks. 
Um, yeah. So it's, anyway, it's about a Catholic family, and then um, the in the in the pilot, you find out that the parents are the parents are splitting up, and they were supposed to be like this perfect family, like they're picture yeah, perfect. Yeah, Irish Catholic. Yeah, yeah. And it turns out the parents are splitting up. The middle son is gay. The oldest son doesn't want to play football anymore or wrestle like he doesn't, yeah he doesn't like wrestling but he was like the best wrestler yeah in school. and then the youngest sister is like just incredibly a con artist just, well she's really she's just like a really really smart like feminist too like yeah which it goes against the whole catholic right and the honestly the performances of all five yeah. of the family members are like Martha better Plimpton than they have the any mom. right to yeah. be especially and, like the oldest brother who plays just kind of like yeah. a goofy meathead i it was like ugh, this character yeah. again couldn't believe how much i adored yeah. him it's it's really really well done and i like i but like i i really like that like you know more or less the mom is the bad guy because she's you know the one trying to keep everybody down yeah. or whatever but like We'll keep everybody in their sort of yeah in their roles or yes. whatever. The roles is better. Um, but then like she just keeps learning, mm-hmm. and you can it really feels like an on like an honest version of someone really being apprehensive to grow and get better, and mm-hmm. it just feels so real yeah. and genuine. In a way that's silly and cartoonish. Yeah, it's it's very it's, very good. I I would recommend the real. It's a good like feel good show. I would say. Yeah, yeah. These, it's yeah very much archives. in the vein of like a a good place or Shit's Creek or things like that. Yeah, that kind of even Goldberg's is a little less value. I think like it's mm, it's or just like nostalgia and TV show. Yeah, it's yeah. just silly and fun. I yeah. don't think there's any weight to the Goldbergs for the most part. I disagree, but that, that's neither here no, nor there. I, I, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe, I mean some, but not as much, I don't think. Um, okay, so let's jump into the plot. So we already mentioned that cool uh, opening moment. Mm-hmm. Um, Harry shakes Leland out of a daze and interrogate. Oh, so actually, let's before take one step back. The last episode, we saw Leland Palmer get arrested for the murder of Jacques Renault. Jacques Renault. Jacques Renault. Mm-hmm. Um, we were introduced to Harold, a uh, agoraphobic botanist, horticulturalist. Yes. Excuse me. Um, and are those the big? Is that all that we had, kind of had teed up for this episode? Audrey Horn being. Oh, and Audrey. Yes, thank you. Audrey uh, Horn is like being hooked on heroin or whatever yeah. and like oh my god in a way so audrey's being forcefully hooked on heroin i should say audrey has been kidnapped held against her will at one of jacks which is in canada which is owned by her father yeah shenanigans are going to ensue and to keep her compliant i guess or something yeah and they're like it's another triple cross scenario yeah. like the the mill where jean jean renault also who is jacques brother mm-hmm. all excuse me also wants Cooper killed. Yes, because he thinks. We'll, we'll get to that. Because that Maybe. wasn't. That I mean, was, no, that they, they set episode, that up in the last oh, one. Oh, did they? But that's. It's, yes, you're right. It's Jean Renault basically wants to take Cooper out of the quiz. He blames him for the death of his brothers. Basically, once Cooper got to town, yeah. the town went to shit. Yeah. Is what he. Like, everything that's going wrong is. Picking off all of the fucking Renault, so Jacques Renault is dead now. Mm-hmm. Bernard Renault is dead now. Mm-hmm. All of that. So yeah. Uh, so we are in 
Uh, so we're in the station house. Um, Sherry, uh, Harry shakes Leland out of a daze and interrogates him about his visit to the hospital. Leland believed that Jacques killed Laura because he had been arrested, arrested and confesses that he killed Jacques. Great performance by we Ray don't Wise. Ray Wise. Oh my god. That he, guy, he I it it's legitimately surprising that he is not Jack Nicholson. Yes. You know what I mean? I was thinking, like I was thinking actually um Tom Hanks cuz he has that kind of like nice guy affability about him the way Tom he's Hanks got does. Both. Oh, like yeah. but I feel like I mean because he can also like he's he always plays like the devil or like oh, a yeah. villain like he, in RoboCop he's the villain who's you know what I mean like he played the devil in a show he played the devil in Reaper yeah Reaper um, like he plays roles like that a lot because he's really good at that but he I just yeah he I should mean, be Nicholson can do uh, did at least in his younger days Africa like look at your one flew of the cuckoo's nest or things like that he's 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 charming. Like I'd have to rewatch it. I don't remember when Flair the Cuckoo's Nest being. Oh yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I haven't seen it since high school. So. Like, but in in a way, yeah. Like that movie's excellent. But anyway, um, it just everything I've seen Ray Wise in, he exceeds the work. Mm-hmm. He he turns in a better performance than is than what is on the page. He elevates it. Yeah, he's an incredible actor. And it's genuinely surprising that he yeah. has not gone on to be an A-list actor. And I don't, I don't know what the reason. Maybe he doesn't want to. Yeah, maybe. You know, maybe he, he likes be, just like hey, I just likes doing the work. Do a couple of roles every couple of years and whatever. Mm-hmm. But it's he could be if he wanted to. I think. Right. Um, and so they leave the room. Uh, Doc Haywood and Hayward. Hayward, sorry. Um, tells Cooper that no parent should bury their child, and Cooper asks if he approves of Leland's actions. Which is a great little moment mm-hmm. for Cooper to fall back into, like, rules and regulation. Yeah. Like, I'm still the FBI. I don't I don't care if you loved this guy before. He He's a murderer. pulled a heinous act, yeah. and he needs, you know, justice needs to be served. Yeah. Um, and... Uh, and Andy grabs Doc Hayward as he's <laughs> as he's leaving. <laughs> so the other thing that happened last week is that we know um, Lucy's pregnant. We know that Andy is sterile, and she, Lucy was also sleeping with Dick Tremaine. And Lucy was also sleeping with, or Dick, I should say, slept, slept with, with Dick Tremaine. Dick Tremaine, yes, once, once, yeah. Um, so yeah, and so he asks all these things of like. If I fail the test, can I? Uh, <laughs> Is it like a driver's exam? Is can it the I kind? Take it I again? flunked. He said, "I know you know that test I took. I I flunked. Is it the kind of test I can take again, like a and driver's he's like, exam?" I've been wearing boxers. <laughs> it's about my sperm's test. Yes. You know, I flunked. That's not the precise term for it. Well, I was just wondering if it's the kind of test. You can take over, you know, like um, a driver's exam. I mean, I've been wearing boxer shorts every day, just like you told me. You want to give it another shot? Yes, sir, I would. I'll need to take a sample with me. Right now? Put it in a brown bag, I'll wait in the car. 
And it's just a great, like, that's not really the terminology. And, like, you didn't flunk the yeah. test. <laughs> oh, so he gives him a vial to fill and is like, off you go. Like, I'm leaving in a little bit. Yeah. Which is like, hey, it's a tiny vial. Like, it's, oh, I don't want to get into it. But, like, it just, like, circumference-wise, like, I don't know. Ew. Ew. Um, <laughs> sorry, I just really had a lot of images in my head. Now you have to go away. Um, so uh, Hayward gives him a vial to fill. Um, on his way, he and Lucy bump into each other and do, like, a Marx Brothers-style <laughs> pratfall. Yeah. Um, and then she sees that he's ca- carrying a copy of Flesh World. Where did this magazine come from? Because ostensibly he just grabbed the vial from Doc Hayward. Because and in the previous around. episode they had, or a couple episodes ago, Andy and Lucy had to go through every copy oh, of Flesh World yeah. to look for the pictures of Leo. So they had them oh, presumably okay. in evidence or whatever somewhere. Ugh. Um, so she's appropriately yucked out by that because she sees like the thing and then realizes that he's the, the magazine and realizes he's going into the bathroom and like yeah. Yeah. puts two and two together. And it's funny because usually it's like, oh, what a misunderstanding. No, she was exactly right about what was going on. (laughs) Um, Okay. So Harry tells Cooper that the judge will arrive that day and reports that the county records showed no one by the name of Robertson living in the White House, which we talked about last week, which is... Pearl Lakes. And Pearl Lakes and um, Leland remembers the Robertsons living Mm -hmm. at a house and... Oh, the the, fa- the the drawing. Yeah, the, he, he there was somebody the who matched the picture of the "Have you seen this man?" drawing. Used to flick matches at me. Yeah, lived two doors down. Name was Robertson, mm-hmm. etc. Um, so they don't have anyone by the name of Robertson living in that house, but they have current address for the last occupants. Um, uh, Andy comes out, drops his sperm vial immediately. It rolls under a couple chairs. I thought I heard a little shattering noise. And they didn't establish whether it was broken or not, but boy, oh boy, was that shattering noise upsetting to me because I, the, the I, consequences of that mean there's semen under that chair forever now. I missed that. I don't think that's what happened. It might have been it's supposed bing, to be the glass. Yeah, yeah, it might have like, been it's yeah. like hitting something, but it just sounded like, like, uh-oh. Yeah, but then he's like... Crawling on the floor with his like with his ass like right All the, the way camera. Up, yeah. Like Um And so he's on his hands and knees, um uh looking under the chair for it and Cooper asks what does Cooper say that Annie's like basically thinks he's talking about his ass or something? I don't I'll recall. I'll have to jet, uh, put that in. Um so he but he realizes that Cooper was actually asking about his boots, uh which he bought from the one armed man. Um, circle brand circle brand boots um all right now we go over to the great northern um when a hotel employee i love this this actress she's great she uh does she do anything else she doesn't uh, have a name in this she does have a name or in this i mean in this uh well imdb it they they give her an i don't remember what it was it's a a boyish name Oh, you know, they do say Frankie or something like that. Yeah, let me I don't recall. Um, But Um, she... She actually makes a small brief cameo in season three as a totally different character. She's like a doctor in season three. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Like, she almost makes the the awful empty wince. 
Luckily, the MT Wentz thing isn't very long. Uh, yeah. So it's fine. You know what I mean? It's relatively innocuous. It's a dumb storyline. But, like, she's fun. She's fun to watch. She There's some levity that, like... Um, yeah. Her name is... The actress's name is Bolina Logan. Um, and, yeah, she's carded as desk clerk. Yeah, they someone references her by name at Yeah, some I think point, you're I right, because I was trying to look at her uh, name tag if she yeah. had one. Um, but I don't recall what it is. Anyway, she is very excited because there is a travel writer named M.T. Wentz who would be visiting Twin Peaks. Um, I have to say, I feel like I've seen a lot of shows where it's a um, an anonymous reviewer and nobody knows who it is, and they're always my least favorite episodes of shows. I don't know why. They just annoy well, it's me. It's also just like... I feel like I'm saying like a lot today. It's okay. But I do that a lot. Anyway... Um, <laughs> I feel like they... As if. <laughs> I feel as though they... Every one of those episodes is like a bunch of people scrambling around to change everything. Yeah. And I don't want to see shit change. Right. Like, I like this show that I'm watching. Right. Like, granted, they're not changing the show. They're changing the things within it or whatever. Yeah, yeah and it's, it's, it's a, also a realistic and believable thing to, for Hank to do, mm-hmm. which... Is also a little too timey. Like, what is he? Is he really mm-hmm. doing? How much money did he take? Is it enough for like all of that? Whatever yeah. is is an interesting thing. But like, it, why? Yeah, you're a diner. I wouldn't want tablecloths and shit like that at a. I honestly, when he said tablecloths, I was like, tablecloths yeah. are really hard to keep clean. I've, yeah. I've worked at restaurants with tablecloths, and they fucking suck. Yeah, especially in a diner. That's why, like, even like. The really fancy restaurants that have like tablecloths have paper on the top. Yes. Which is a thing that I always thought was really bizarre. I liked tearing the paper off. It was very satisfying. That's nice, but like it's it just seems tacky to me to like sit down at a nice dinner and there's like I could color on this if I wanted to. You know? It's that's just bizarre to me. Anyway. Um Uh, yeah, so yeah, I, I think if Wentz I, is in town. If I maybe went into a diner like Double R and I saw candles and tablecloths, I'd be like, "This isn't." This place reeks of tryhard. Yeah, it, it reeks of tryhard, and also like, oh, when I saw this from the outside, I wanted I wanted to go to a diner. I didn't want yeah. to go to a nice place. Wow, we're overthinking his no, plan to update yeah, it's just, the diner. But like, the whole thing is just dumb. Very dumb. Um, a hotel employee tells, uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so Ben tells her that he wants hourly updates from registration. So we knew, we, we know this person, we don't know their gender. We don't know their race. Um, they always pay with cash. And I think that's the only. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so he wants to keep, uh, updates from registration. Um, Jean is then in Ben's office. Who's Jean? Okay. Jean Jean is the third Renault brother. Yeah, Michael okay. Parks. Um, he's in Ben's office, and he shows uh, shows him a video of Audrey being bound and gagged. Um, Jean explains that he's just the messenger, and that the business is being run by pickpockets and fools. Then he offers his assistance. He explains he wants Cooper to bring the ransom in cash and tells Ben to expect to call at noon the next day. Mm-hmm. Um let me tell you my favorite line in this that just super encapsulates Ben as a character. Okay. okay. So we know Ben is wealthy, and we know his daughter has been kidnapped. And this guy, uh, uh, Jean says, 
they want this, but also I want this for helping out. And Ben deadass looks at him in the eye and is like, I think they should pay their own middleman. Like, <laughs> sir, they're going to murder your daughter and you're, <laughs> and you're trying to like negotiate the contract just because like it's, and it's just such a wild thing to think that of. That plays a little bit later too in a future episode where he's talking about like, hey, here's when he's setting up the drop with Cooper mm-hmm. and it's like, hey, here's the money. Just do whatever you can to save my daughter. Bring her back, okay? And if you can save that money. Like, it's total, like, dude, just what? You know would be a funnier just stop line? stop fucking thinking about it. A like, funnier line would be, if you could save the briefcase, I really like it. <laughs> um, not that I'm punching up. <laughs> the Twin Peaks. Um, so Ben orders an assistant to find Agent Cooper for him. Um, so we are back in the Double R Diner. Donna picks up a tray um, for Meals on Wheels, and Hank creepily compliments her, saying she's extra pretty, or whatever horrible thing old men say to young women. Uh, Norma um, tells Hank about M.T. Wentz. Super excited, so he like immediately opens the cash drawer and just starts like pawing cash yeah. out of there. I and feel Norma's like we covered like, this. Yeah. <laughs> we don't have to revisit. Yeah, but anyway, so he yeah. runs off. I'm going to get Flowers Table Call Scandals and asks her to tell Big Ed to recommend their diner to also, any unfamiliar motorists. Also, you can see what the bill is. Yeah. But he takes one bill and goes, like snaps it out and then later you see that he's got tablecloths uh-huh. for everything. Can't like, mm-hmm. those like restaurant candles, flowers, vases. Mm-hmm. It was the 90s, Michael. Nothing it, costed anything. At most, it was a $100 bill, which I'd be very surprised if they had in the register double R. Yeah. But and also... That still seems buying, like... I don't know. Buying an entire restaurant's worth of tablecloths yeah. is not going to be cheap. Yeah. Okay. It's um, ridiculous. Anyway. You know, it's the only um, flaw. The, what, but what that scene really does set up is Hank forces... Norma to have to talk to Ed again. So because they kind of put it at the we're we're done. So we have to be. You've got your hands full with Nadine. Right. I've got my hands full with Hank. Yeah. We just it's we not missed it. Yeah. We missed it. Um, and Hank now says you need to talk to Ed again, and she kind of. Are we to? Are was this? I wasn't sure. It, was Hank? Is Hank aware of the relationship with? Norman Big Ed and is he like manipulating her? I think they're setting up he... the mystery. I think they're doing exactly what you are reacting oh, okay. to. Of what does he know? Does, does he yeah. know? Is he like they're putting you in that in right. her shoes of the guilt? Do I? Does he know? Should he know? Mm-hmm. Is he toying with me or is he right. just completely oblivious or whatever? Like, um. So he tells her to ask. Okay. Uh, so then we cut over to Harold's house um, where he and Donna are drinking white wine and toast to Laura, which I know they're in high school and it's so ucky. She's like drinking wine with a shut. I mean, he's not, but. No, no, no. Oh. But he's like pouring wine for yeah. this at most 18 year old girl. Mm-hmm. Like it's none of it's great. Um, they toast to Laura. Harold reads from Laura's diary, which which he suggested, and she's like, that's a great idea. Like, what the actual fuck? Okay, two, two points on this. One, if my friend died, 
I would not want to have somebody read her read her private thoughts about me out loud to me because he picks a section about Donna Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and then it gets a little explicit and gets kind of mean about Donna and he's like oh I'm so sorry and then a beat later he's like I've read this shit cover to cover like I know what's in it so he knew exactly what he was doing so he's emotional Um, he's manipulating Donna I I mean I think the cover to cover thing was just a defensive I don't think he necessarily knows it that well he knows a little bit what he's doing, but I th- I think the, I've read this cover to cover, there's nothing in here, was just, he doesn't want to get rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, I guess. But but all of that also is in the version of, in the Secret Diary of Laura Palmer that you could buy as of a couple of weeks before this. Right. So a little bit of that too is like... Product placement? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's a marketing ploy yeah. of... You want to read the rest of this passage? You can. Yeah. You know? Um, so Donna suggests they give the diary to the sheriff, but Harold insists that there, there are no solutions in it and that Laura gave it to him, which is so, yeah. a big red flag. This scene also is another example of, yeah, maybe they're connecting or something and that you need a scene with Harold and Donna to mm-hmm. be together or whatever. There was nothing in that passage that suggests... Anything. There's more information mm-hmm. about her death. Mm-hmm. There's nothing in that that it was really just if we have him read a big long passage that can take up three minutes. Woof. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it really felt like this whole episode is a series of let's buy some time. Yeah. Um, Harold then says that people from the outside tells him their stories. Um. So Cooper ends up in Ben's office. Ben says that Cooper and Audrey had a special relationship, wink, and asks Cooper to deliver the $125,000. Which Cooper is really apprehensive of Mm -hmm. because... He's an FBI agent. Well, in the previous episode, Cooper and Ben Horn have that exchange where he's like, hey, your daughter's been... Maybe it's two episodes ago. Whatever. But he says, you know... Daughter's been and he's like, she'll, she's fine. Yeah, she'll come back. Yeah, like it was so like, uh, sorry, I didn't. Re-. And he's like, yeah, you just like basically just like she's fine. You just want to get with her. Yeah, like and it was just like, whoa. Yeah, all right. And so now like all of a sudden, hey, I need to get her back. Here's money, and you need to be the person who does it. Mm-hmm. Okay, shit's yeah, you know. Yeah, I would argue that he's the last person who should do that. Right, Because right. he's Johnny Law. Yeah. Um, Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. Josie returns home with many shopping bags and apologizes for disappearing. You know why, Mikey? Bitches be shopping. <laughs> the um, one clerk even said, if it wasn't for Josie... We would go on. Yeah, basically. That's not, sir, that's not a sustainable business plan. <laughs> um... So uh, she apologizes for disappearing. Um, she finds out Pete tells her that Catherine died in the fire, although they haven't found the body, um, and that they're planning on having a service in a couple of days, even though he's, like, not sure what they're going to bury. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of that. We just know Josie was gone for a few days. and yeah, jo- Josie's back. And, and also seemingly plays... Because she apologizes to Pete, so she knew the bur- the mill burnt down, but didn't realize Catherine. Right. So it seems weird that she would have known that information, but not 
about Catherine. The more important information right. that, like... And that she picked that time to skedaddle to Seattle. Yeah, all of it is is odd. Yeah. It's... Yeah. Um, Pete informs her that Catherine died in the... Oh, no, we did that. Okay. Back to One-Eyed Jacks. Emery, um, who was running the perfume counter and mm-hmm. is basically Ben Horn's the recruitment recruitment right. right to get women from that perfume counter into um basically sex work in canada um so his name's emery he drags uh the drugged audrey back into blackie's office blackie is the manager of double r not double r one ejects uh she's just like the head person the um head bitch in charge yeah but what's what's the name of that when like the the lead brothel woman oh the madam yeah madam thank you um it's like why i don't like just blanking on that but yeah um where jean waits uh bl- oh, bl- oh excuse me uh sorry fun with pronouns here so audrey tells emery no Audrey tells Jean that Emery had hit her, and Jean tells Audrey that she'll be fine as long as she's with with him, with Jean. Um, Meanwhile, she's got her makeup all looking. Mm, she's all slightly smeared. Yeah. Well, no, she's got the the, the like stage makeup, like the black on her oh, eyes. Yeah. She's struggling to keep her eyes open. Mm-hmm. They they've got her all all mm-hmm. doped up. So she still has the wherewithal to say that. Right. I don't know. It's um. So Jean then shoots Emery and then hugs the sobbing Audrey, which is was a kind of a surprising yeah like delivery that. of the the shot. You mm-hmm. see him pull the gun, which also is a Walther PPK oh, with a silencer, which is James Bond's gun, mm-hmm. as Albert referred to it. The same gun that shot Cooper. Yeah. So just a thing to maybe throw in the back of your head. Um, but you see him pull it out, and she—it's all done in close up. So it's close up Jean, close up Audrey, mm-hmm. and then close up with a gun. Almost the same shot of when Cooper gets shot, of just down the barrel, right. shooting from the hip, mm-hmm. kind of. And you just hear the gunfire, and Audrey gasps, uh-huh. and then you see Emery hit the floor, right? Which is a cool delivery, right? It's, a, it's enough to throw you on a twist, but not like hang you in suspense sure. for a while, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um. Then we are back to the station house where Andy approaches Lucy, who yells at him about the magazine. Um, so Cooper tells Andy to get some air and asks Lucy to tell him what's been upsetting upsetting her. And then Andy just stands outside the door and stares, stares. in the window the whole time. She explains her history with Andy and Dick. And I'm not going to lie, she doesn't come off great in this conversation. Right. Andy and I used to go out. That much I gathered. For a year and a half until I started to notice things about him. They weren't big things, they were little things. He never exercises, he never washes his car, and he doesn't even own a sports coat! Uh-huh. Well, did you do something about this? Well, after I watched this TV show, I decided I needed some me time during which we didn't see each other, during which period I met Dick Tremaine, a Horns Department Store Men's Fashions. He had lots of coats and keeps himself and his car in great shape. Most of his behavior was asinine, but at least he was different. Are you still seeing this uh, dick? No. Lucy, do you want to get back together with Andy? I don't know. 
Well, Lucy, can you tell me exactly what you do want? I don't know. Um, which I'm kind of disappointed by. I, I feel like they kind of did Lucy dirty on this. Because I think there's lots of re realistic reasons that we can see that Lucy might have ended things with Andy because he's a man-child and, like, mm -hmm. dropped a gun and almost killed people. But the things she notes are he doesn't work out, he doesn't wash his car, <laughs> mm -hmm. and he doesn't even own a sport jacket. Now, Michael, <laughs> is she describing you? <laughs> no, I'm, I no. Um, you don't work out. You don't wash your car. <laughs> I have suits. You don't own a sports jacket. I, I Granted, nobody in 2020 owns a sports but, jacket. And it, but no, point being, like... I think, I'm disappointed they gave superficial reasons. Uh, but she also says that those weren't the reasons. Those were what she started noticing mm -hmm. that festered into reasons. Mm -hmm. So those are the things that, like, just common reoccur... Like, that's how... That's how things go. Yeah. I, I think it maybe wasn't scripted super well, but I, I don't think it was. He doesn't wash his car, so I'm, I'm just gonna stop talking to him. Yeah. Because also she doesn't do anything to like, and that's Explo what Cooper brings up is like, did you tell him yeah. this? And she's like, no. Yeah. No, and I understand that. I just like, mm, I'm not crazy about. I think how that was I laid think out. what they were trying to get at that they didn't do well is. Andy didn't do all these things or whatever, these stupid things. And then she was kind of infatuated by this other guy who did. Mm -hmm. And it became less, yeah. it it was less about drop this and take this. It was just kind of like, ooh, it, The this polar is opposite pretty. of who Andy yeah, is. Yeah, and just she, and that's why, like, when she's saying it, like, that's all she can come up with, which is why Cooper's like, do you want to get back with Andy? Right. And she's, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, it's it's not great, but it's also in an emotional place. I, yeah. Yeah. So she says she has no idea what she wants and leaves. Uh, Harry tells Cooper that they've been down that road before. Uh, and then Cooper asks Harry um, confidentially for a bookhouse boy, the best one. Yep. Um, and he says, please don't ask questions, yada, yada, yada. Um, then... A stranger enters the Double R Diner after Norma tried to make the restaurant seem fancy. When the man goes to the bathroom, Hank steals his wallet. Cool move. Mm -hmm. um, and the wild thing to me... So he, the, the man leaves his coat on the booth and goes to use the bathroom. And, <laughs> and Hank doesn't just, like, grab his wallet, check his ID, and put it back. He, like, grab, like, pulls it out, holds it with a napkin, and brings it over to... The, like, why wouldn't you just, like, check really quick to see if that's who you think it is? He then... was trying to steal his wallet. Oh. Oh. I thought he yeah, was no, just he... trying to establish who it was. No, Hank's just trying to get his side hustle on and steal shit. Well, I feel naive. This guy's a big-time whatever. He's probably got some money. Hmm. Hmm. So, so I think he's surprised later yeah. when he opens it and finds out it's the... Gotcha. D.A. Daryl Ludwig. I think he's just stealing his money. There's a scene, and I have no idea. I can't remember at all when it comes in. It may have happened already, but he steals a lighter off the... Oh, I missed that, too. It was that... It might have... I, honestly, I, I just remember the image of it, and I cannot place it in the timeline of Twin Peaks at all. It may not have happened yet. Mm -hmm. It may have happened several episodes ago. Um, But there's a scene where, like, he's 
busting some dishes and the, there's like a silver Zippo and he like steals oh, that and puts it in his all. pocket. Like he's just a thief. Yeah. He's just a criminal. Yeah. And I think he's stealing a wallet more so than looking for ID. Okay. That makes sense. Um, Maddie and Donna meet in a booth and Donna insists that she's not angry over Maddie's relationship with James because she's like, who said that we so were exclusive? Sad. It's Dumb. a boring scene. Let's not talk too much about it. Uh, oh, Donna's smoking again, though. Donna's smoking that? again. Um, Mikey got actively angry when she told <laughs> um, Donna kind of filled in um, Maddie. And Maddie immediately goes, oh, about, about the, uh, the existence of the secret diary. And Maddie immediately is like, we have to tell. What's his face? Oh, James? We have to tell James. And you were like, no. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> what the fuck is telling James going to do? Oh, he was not in this episode, which is fine. I don't think he would have thrived in this kind of spinning yeah. your wheels environment. Um, so uh, Hank searches a strange... Oh, so yeah, Mikey already said he's not empty Wentz, but he's district attorney Daryl Ludwig. Um, then we go to Josie's house. And Harry is there sitting real casually on the arm of a chair, like you do when you're waiting for your lover. Oh, can I, can I say something I noticed about Harry this, this week? Um, he's not really wearing a sheriff's uniform anymore. He's just wearing khaki head to toe. He doesn't have a badge on him. He doesn't have patches. He's just wearing a khaki he's, well, outfit. Well, he's always kind of done. His badge is on that his jacket. outer yeah. jacket that's like... That, like the fleece line one? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a weird in-between flannel, in-between yeah. jacket kind of thing. The badge is usually on that, but there's no badge on, like, his hat either. Uh-uh. And I nothing noticed. on his clothes. Like, I would expect a patch to be on his clothes Yeah, well, like, he's kind of a non... Because he's not a deputy. He's a he's, sheriff. But, like, yeah, everyone knows who he is. I think that's kind of, like, oh, the I see what you mean. implication is that, like, you're, he's... He does, and he's not. He's he's the in office guy primarily. Yeah, I don't know, but yeah. Um, so he meets Josie at, in her living room, and she shows him a scandalous new dress. Um, she says she left town because she was afraid, and rebukes Harry for his suspicion. So Harry is like, "Hey, I can't help but notice that the your mill burned down, and then you just like zipped out of town." Which is also a weird twist because the last reference. Of that Harry makes toward Josie was when Cooper and him are talking, and he's like, "Is she, is she all, yeah, good, yeah?" And he was like, "Trust me, yeah, I yes, mm-hmm. like I vouch for her, or whatever." And it's now all of a sudden it's like, "Oh, now I'm really, yeah, you know, I don't know." Do you think he was not being sincere to Cooper, or do you think it's bad writing? <laughs> the latter. Okay. Um. So she's wearing this, like, long, uh, strappy black dress with really high slits. Is it even a dress, or is it, like, a I couldn't tell if it was lingerie. Yeah, I couldn't like... tell if it was lingerie or a dress. Yeah. Um, but he... <laughs> Sorry, this part. When she, um, she has Harry tear her shawl. So she's wearing, like, yeah. a wrap over this dress, like a black lacy, and she says, rip it. And he, like, reaches behind her... I don't know. It was just strange. And then they fall onto the couch and just, like, nuzzle their bodies together. Like, they don't really kiss at all. They're just like, nuzzle, nuzzle, nuzzle. My face yeah. is in your neck. You this can, is sexy, my, right? My face is in your neck. You can't tell what my lips are doing. Uh-huh. 
and it's just going. But it is outside of that awkwardness of it. <laughs> it is a cool reveal that it goes up because then it goes up to the window. Oh yeah, yeah. And in the slats, and you're just looking at a window and can't see. Like the lighting is really well done, where you can't see anything, mm-hmm. and then the lightning strikes, and you can absolutely see this, the guy staring at. Him. So it's this. A mysterious Asian man who we've met a couple times. I, I feel weird. To, I mean, he's credited as Asian man yep. still, and they keep referring to him as Asian man. Yeah, and, like, and we're about to get into some whack shit regarding race, uh, so yeah. um, let, let's not feel too terrible about this guy. <laughs> um, Are you suggesting that Mr. Tajimura is racist? Oh, my God. Okay, so uh, Judge Sternwood enters the station house, and he and Lucy apparently like, have this very, like, what an on the paternal Sternwood. <laughs> for, yeah. like, your, your law and order judge yeah. in the boondies, in the woods, you know, whatever, comes in to settle these cases, and his name is Sternwood. Yeah. Come on. Um, he gives Lucy... Oh my goodness, this line and this delivery were both amazing. He says, Oh, you light up a room or whatever. What <laughs> is your secret? secret? And she just, meaning like, Oh, you know, extra sunshine in the morning or whatever. Yeah. And she's like, I'd rather not talk about that. <laughs> and it's just so. But like, hangs her head like, You know, I have a secret <laughs> too. Ugh. Judge Sternwood, hello, Your Honor. Lucy. You're a cool drink of water and your road-weary eyes. What's your secret? I'd rather not talk about it, sir. Yeah, it's that whole scene is delightful. Yeah. Um, so he gives her a hug. Uh, Harry enters, um, and the judge asks what his lady trouble is. They do that a lot in this show of, like, just looking at, you look like a man who has Philly I, problems. What's funny is that it's uh, half the time it's... It's either directed at Harry or Big Ed, the most stoic people in the show. <laughs> the people who have, like, who throughout the series, like, don't, don't emote. Mm-hmm. And, and not in a way that they're bad actors, but in a way that, like, their character is just, I internalize everything. Like, I love that the joke is always at the like directed at the people who right. are giving off the least information like everything Andy does or Lucy does they're wearing absolutely out in the open mm-hmm. whereas like Big Ed and Harry Truman are just stoic yeah. and plain face and it's like oh I, I, I know that look fucking look, I man. can read you like a book Yeah, it's like in shows when it's like ooh your left eyebrow arches when you have two clubs like <laughs> what is that yeah. how you think poker is? Um, and then the judge gives some not great uh, advice about he compare he says you have had Philly troubles with it, which is a young female horse. I don't know if you know that. You might. I'm uh, nodding. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> that's bad for radio. I thought you were just gonna keep going. Didn't realize we we're gonna hang in that bit. <laughs> um. And then he says something. I was looking to see if I could find the quote. Something about, like, if she can't take a saddle, then blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, this is fun for me, as usual. You got the look of a man with Philly trouble, son. If they don't take the saddle, you got two options. And I won't bore you with either one of them. All right. Harry introduces Cooper to the judge, and Dick offers Lucy enough cash to get an abortion. I've been a fool, a cad the way I behaved. I'm, I'm deeply... Deeply ashamed. You are? 
I've been over it in my mind a million times, and what I've come to is this. I have to. No, I must do the right thing. You must? It's, it's everything I could scrape together. I'm completely knackered. Six hundred and fifty dollars. I've called around. I've been told it's more than adequate. For what? For the... to take care of... you know, the little problem. Richard, here's what you're going to do. Take your money, in your wallet or your pocket, turn around and walk through both sets of doors. The second one sticks sometimes. Go out into the parking lot, get in your car, turn the key, and never, ever speak to me again as long as you live! Say one more word and I'll scream! That's a great scene, though. Very good. That exchange scene. is wonderful, and and it's it's the same joke that we had with Dick Tremaine earlier of like Lucy, can I ask you something? And then asks a dumb question. He sits. I I you know thought about it and I felt bad and I want to do what's right by you. Here's money for an abortion. Like yeah. whoa, whoa. <laughs> that that wasn't what was happening yeah. here. Like it's just a great. Well, and he it also, shows how out of touch this guy is. Well, and a thing I do not know if this is intentional, but a thing I liked because he said, you know, he hands her like an envelope of cash. And he says, "It's everything I could scrape together. It's everything I could scrape together. I'm completely knackered, which means exhausted. But I think he's using it as like I'm completely tapped out." Oh, I've never heard that word. So it's I've never a very British about thing. It. Yeah. Um, but it just to me, if that. Either they just used it wrong because they're not British writers, or he is adopting like British phrases but uses them improperly, which I... I mean, yeah. I hope that was intentional because it's very funny if it is. Or he, or it's accurate. He's just meaning it like, I'm exhausted. I've, I was calling around places. Yeah. I've, been, I've been up late thinking about this. That kind of thing, too. Yeah, he also is like classic narcissistic personality where he... She's pregnant... And he's saying, I haven't slept, I can't eat, I've been miserable, I'm a fool, yep. the way I behaved, I'm deeply ashamed, I've been over it in my mind, I I have to know I must do the right thing. This it's, is a like, day, it's all about this how, has been a day. Yeah, and this is how hard it is for him yeah. to have found out that a yeah. girl who fucked was pregnant. Yeah. He's a victim. Yep. Um, so... Okay, Lucy's upset by this. She tells him to leave, and Andy hears her crying. Um, now we are back to the... Oh, we're still in the station house. The judge talks to Leland. Uh, what does this mean? They say they will ra- raise a glass together in Valhalla. I don't know what that means. That, I... Valhalla is... In Norse mythology, yeah. Valhalla is a majestic, enormous hall located in Asgard, ruled over by the god Odin. 
Yeah, it's a thing I hear referenced of if they say the same thing in Mad Max Fury Road. They say we'll raise a glass in Valhalla? Yeah, to Valhalla I think is what they say. But I think I've always just, because I've heard it in several different things, I've never looked into the mythology of it, Mm -hmm. but my understanding is like when all of this is said and done we'll get together and look back at this and have a laugh and mm-hmm. toast each other because one day this will all be over. I, yeah. That's always what I... This tea shall pass, kind of. Yeah, exactly. Um, okay, I'm going to look in that and see if I can find anything more. I'll link in the notes. Um, the prosecutor has not arrived, so Leland will have to spend the night in jail. Um, that's the DA. So that's Daryl Ludwig. That's the guy. at at the double R. So he... Yeah. But he says, where is he? And They don't know. They said, overdue. Is what he said. So he's in town, but yeah. did something happen to him? Yeah. We don't know. Yeah. Why hasn't he shown up? Um, and then Sternwood's law clerk picks him up to take him to the Winnebago. Oh, they established that he lives in Winnebago and mm-hmm. just drives him case to case. Um, also, this scene <laughs> just establishes has anybody from Twin Peaks seen a human woman? Because anytime a new woman walks into town, everybody's like, what? Like, with, imagine when Maddie got into town and yeah. James straight up sat next to her and <laughs> stared at her like a painting. Yeah. And then this woman comes in and is like, you know, she's very pretty, but like, she's not like done up sexily. She's just wearing like a jacket. Yeah. And they're like, like, <laughs> they're like a Looney Tunes character. Like I mean, yeah. their jaw unroll, like their tongue unrolls wait, out of their jaw. Wait till it gets into the Robin Lively stuff. Um, uh, I don't know what that she, is. She she's the one who marries the judge later. She comes in later. Oh, and they fuck, play on that. They drop that. that hard for oh, that yeah, whole yeah. sequence. Um. So then back to the Great Northern, Ben uh, says greets contestants for a beauty contest, but I would say he leers at some young women. Yeah, I got I got big time Trump vibes from, uh-huh. from that whole. Just straight up. again. It's all like background stuff. Like it's, there's no. Right. He's just in a wide shot of like mm-hmm. the girls are running. And they're, and they're clearly all wearing like suits and running heels. late yeah. too. Like they're all running across the floor to catch yeah. up. And he's all like, hey. Ooh, and he like stops to yeah. them. And is like, oh. And then the, the woman who's like corralling these women is like, oh, we have to go. Which is code for like, yeah. ladies, that man's going to murder off, you. Creeper. Yeah. Um. Oh, it's so gross. Um, the hotel clerks check in a mysterious stranger. How much do we want to talk about this character? I mean, Tajimura is around for a few episodes. Okay. So there's plenty of time to talk about. Okay. But it is problematic. Yeah. So we're not going to reveal too much about what happens with this character. And not so much even the, yes, problematic or whatever. But fucking dumb. Very dumb. Very, like, very dumb. It Outside of the, the, the actual moment of the reveal of who that is or whatever, with <laughs> which is great, only because of the counterpart in that scene. Uh-huh. Um yeah, it's just So we'll dumb. we'll just say this person is not who they say they yeah, are. Person goes going by the name Mr. Tajimura. Um, checks in with cash, so mm-hmm. the desk clerk thinks it's M.T. Wentz. Yeah. Calls the double R. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, double R doesn't say anything about the fact that, no, that guy was just here. I don't yeah. know. 
yeah. with that what's happening there, but whatever. Um okay. I don't remember the scene. I think I might have zoned out a little bit here. Josie introduces the Asian man to Pete as her cousin Jonathan. Yes. I don't remember that scene. Is yeah, that it? They, all there is to it? They they talk about like, are we still on track for everything? Mm-hmm. They've got the stuffed, like, weasel being wrapped up by a snake. And they're mm. holding it between them the whole scene. Mm. Oh, yeah, 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 I do remember yeah. that. And so they're they're in cahoots about something. Is there any pro? Like, I need to get Pete to sign the deed now mm-hmm. to sell everything because he's the heir. He's Catherine's heir, and since Catherine's dead, need maybe a couple of days to make that happen. Mm-hmm. Um Hank might be a loose end, but we can figure it out. Mm-hmm. That's the gist of that yeah. scene. Um, Cooper meets Harry at the road. Oh, excuse me. Oh, when Pete leaves, Jonathan tells Josie that her business is almost done and she's expected back in Hong Kong. Any? Yeah, yeah that's, that's just the capper on what we said. Yeah. All right. So Cooper is sitting at the bar at the roadhouse arranging. <laughs> Chex mix in like yeah, a weird it's just grid. like mixed nuts yeah. from the basket and he's just got them lined into this weird pyramid yeah. pyramid thing yeah which is kind of like it almost looks like morse code yeah but, but it's just every also, it's just every other but it also feels very much like a design cooper would have done yes like it seems cryptic but like there's a message in there mm-hmm. and it's very clean it's very tidy yeah. yeah all of it Feels very in yeah. character. Yeah. But it also, and it shows that he's been waiting there for a while. Yes. So um, he's, th- which also that hints at, there's genuine concern here. Mm-hmm. He's worried about this, what's going to happen to Audrey. He, this is affecting him personally. Yeah, he's fidgeting, So he which got is not to like this meetup really early. Mm. Oh, I was thinking that it just meant he was, either that Harry was concerned about what he was signing up for, or... He was fidgety, which he's never really been. No, he. I I got the he's he got out of, he's a little out of sorts because he's he's so meet me at nine thirty. He probably got there at eight thirty yeah. and has been just sitting around. Yeah, he's just drinking like, water. I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. yeah. Um. So Cooper meets Harry at the Roadhouse. Harry said that he is the bookhouse boy, boy Cooper was expecting. Never even actually says it. It's a great little like, you know. Uh, so, book you know, it's 9.30, right on tick. So, he's here. And then kind of, like, looks around for a second and then does that, like, snapping <laughs> point. Ah, ah, <laughs> you got I me. got it. And, like, it's it's just a good get, bartender buying you a beer yeah. or whatever. It's a great... It's a, like, it's, it's a, a real moment of the two of those characters coming together. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, I'm in a bind. I need to do something... Outside the law. Right. I'm hoping all I'm asking from you is to get me somebody who would be willing to do this mm-hmm. outside the law thing. And then the fact that the actual sheriff himself is also willing to go outside the law right. to help Cooper. That's a it's real just their moment. Mutual trust of, and respect. Yeah, exactly. And it's a great interaction there. Right. Um so we go back to the Double R Diner, uh, where Hank is still living, just in like the kitchen or something, just in I the guess. capital I, capital yeah, B back. You, you never really see. But he's wearing his gym jam, so yeah, he's asleep. You, you never really see outside the the main dining area, yeah. though. You never really get into the kitchen. Like no. you see 
into the window to the kitchen, but you never see the kitchen. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, presumably there's a... But, like, season three especially, and a few moments in season two, Norma's, like, doing her, like, work mm-hmm. at Booth's. Oh, yeah. Like, she's, like, calculating stuff at Booth's. So, like, presumably there's not even enough room for an office, for an office back yeah. there. So I don't know where the fuck Hank is living. <laughs> He's just set up a cotton dry storage. Yeah, something. <laughs> I He's don't know. burger buns as a pillow. <laughs> exactly. Um, uh, so there's a knock on the door. Hank, um, in his jammies, walks out, um, uh, answers the door, but no one is there. <gasps> bum, bum, dun, dun, bum. Dun. Uh, the lights go out, and Jonathan, uh, who... Is the Asian man we've been seeing lurking mm-hmm. around? We now have his name, and he is Josie's cousin. Um, is standing in the middle of the room, which is a cool reveal. Yeah, they do a big swish wipe of uh, or swish pan of the yeah, camera idiot. with the the um, the light, the flashlight, flashlight pointing at the thing. So you're following the beam of the flashlight, and mm-hmm. then it just hard stops right on Jonathan, which mm-hmm. is a really cool shot. And um, this whole little fight scene is yeah. Well choreographed outside of uh, Hank's really bad roundhouse kick. <laughs> but, yeah. You gotta love a roundhouse kick, though. Yeah. And, like... <laughs> and, and, like, when he's, like, swinging the flashlight at him and he misses him by, like, a good three feet. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's not... But, the but yeah, there's, a, like, a good flip and whatever. Yeah. He flips him onto a table where apparently there's still a bus tub full of dishes that they just decided they didn't need to clean before they closed. I don't know. Yeah, cleaning's for nerds. Um, but, but, yeah, it's a decent scene. Um, but it's, it's you know, the extension of we'll take care of Hank from the conversation with Josie. Oh, yeah. Um, and then Jonathan holds Hank's hand as a blood brother. Yeah, which I didn't understand what was happening there. He cut his thumb and then they pressed it together. Like so, it was like he actively did it and then pressed it. It wasn't like, oh, we're both bleeding. Yeah, Let's smush our hands together. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Yeah, um, I don't know what that was supposed to mean. I was confused. I was unhappy. Yeah, um, that was ac- that's an accurate read. <laughs> um, and then Jonathan says, next time he will tank take Hank's head off and then smashes Hank's flashlight. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Wow, we got through that shit in one hour. Usually it's two hours. Yeah, this one, I mean... There's not a lot just, to dive into. There's nothing... Yeah, there's... Outside of the opening sequence mm-hmm. with Leland, which is great. So good. Not a lot happens. You're setting up new stuff. Mm-hmm. Or just biding your time. And, well, like, it, this is... This is, I think, the first... This one isn't going so far as to say bad, but it's the first not great episode, I think, in the series. And I think it's well made. I think it's well put together. I think Todd Holland does a great job. I think it just isn't is an awful script. Yeah, this script they had nothing to. And you can you can tell it it plays rushed. It plays forced. It plays like someone who turned in a script late with blood on it and incomplete. (laughs) <laughs> like it feels like that. Yeah. Um but yeah, it's fine. We're we meet a couple characters that we're going to see moving on, so that's good, I guess. We also meet some characters that we're going to see moving on and that's bad. So <laughs> there's a yeah. trade-off there. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I could do without Tajimura. I could do without 
Dick Tremaine. I can mm-hmm. do, you know. Although I didn't so far, he's the abortion okay. bit. He, he's okay so far. Like, he's a decent character so far. It's when they get into he needs to become his own. He, instead of him being, at some point he switches from being Lucy's. The, a character in Lucy, story, Lucy and Andy's storyline uh-huh. to becoming a Dick Tremaine storyline. That involves Andy. Mm-hmm. Like it be it's it gets insane. Okay. Um. Okay. So yeah, that wraps up that. Uh, any overarching thoughts? I don't think so. I don't think there's really anything else to say. I'm like literally looking on IMDb to see if there's anything interesting, and there's not. Yeah, the most interesting thing about this episode is the the, the script cover in blood. Yeah, the Jerry <laughs> Stall stuff. I mean, not covered in blood, but <laughs> it's just dripping wet. <laughs> Um, Okay, cool. Uh, Well, that does it for us, and we will talk to you next week. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cooper Duper, a Twin Peaks podcast for regular people, hosted by Michael Greif and me, Jessica Blumke-Greif. Our podcast logo is by Foraker Creative. You can follow them at Foraker Creative. Our theme music is by Brad Chactus. You can always email us at cooperduperpod at gmail.com. Please go on iTunes and leave us a positive review and tell a friend. We'll see you next week.